Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> this is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! And good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you tuning in, streaming it. Yeah, the Birds 365. Hi, there. We're a couple seconds late, and it's on me again. Not that I overslept. I had some kind of cream golf shirt on that did not go well with the camera that I have here. Yeah, it's my bad. I had to run upstairs. So if I'm out of breath, it's because I had to uh, go running up the stairs a minute. It's before. a green screen, Jody. It 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 limits it limits you. I always wear something dark because there's no use in wearing something else. I gave it. I got Jacob Media on today, though. Jacob. Oh, that'd be nice. I could use me one of those. I don't have one of those. Thanks for uh, pointing that out to me. Yeah, I just got a plain dark blue one on today. Uh, But we are well dressed. We are ready to rock and roll with you guys. There are a couple of eagle issues we're going to hit on. Uh, Brendan Lee Gouton, our buddy from Bleeder Green Nation, got off a board here in about twenty minutes. And there are a couple of National Football League issues we're going to touch on 
including what's going on down in the national capital with their uh, owner off the uh, coast of France, Dan <laughs> Snyder. We'll talk to uh, Will Hobson from the Washington Post a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first thing I want to run by you today, J-Mac, is uh, on jacobsports.com. I saw yesterday, you're trying to assuage the fears of Eagle fans who might be nervous about, about the fact that Cam Jurgens, their second-round draft pick, center uh, emeritus that uh, we believe at some point is going to take over for Jason Kelsey, which, oh, by the way, you're not going down to OD today? Um, I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, t- today would be uh, the day if you're yeah. going to do it. Uh, Jason Kelsey going to be there. I'm glad you said that, Jody. Uh, four to eight o'clock uh, for his celebrity second annual celebrity bartending event. Um, uh, uh probably not. Probably but, not. Uh, I recommend. Everyone goes at it's for a good cause, obviously. The Eagles Autism Foundation. I think it's 10 bucks to get in, you get a free team Kelsey penny. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Jason Kelsey fan, and he's gonna have some special guests as well, so there's gonna be some other Eagles helping him out. So, if you're down the shore, good time, go go exactly. check out Jason and the boys. If you're already down there, what? What better do you have to do? Unfortunately, I got to be on WIP tonight after the Phillies, so I have to pay close attention to the Phillies. So I can't get down there. Uh, but if you're already down the shore, if you're close enough, it's not an unbelievable out of the way drive, or you got a half a day and you go shoot, twist my arm, I'll go down the shore and have some uh, cocktails with Jason Kelsey. Yes, at the Ocean Drive tonight, raising money for Jason's uh, foundation and also uh, Eagle Autism. So for a very good cause tonight at the OD in Ocean City. Wonder if Cam Jurgens will be one of the guys. Hey, if he's going to be taking over at center for Jason Kelsey, maybe at some point he can take over and uh, jump behind the stick for Kelsey tonight. On the Maybe he's a natural. Who knows? Maybe he's a natural bartender. I think it's going to be more veteran players, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. You know, sucky, who knows? Sucky young um, guy. It's, if, if that's your quote-unquote hazing, you got to come down and uh, bartender, uh, bartend behind the uh, guy who you'll be replacing yeah. as the heir apparent. Not the worst gig in the world for uh, Mr. Jurgens if they asked him. You know, it's funny uh, because now I'm two for two. I I had not even thought about the fact that Cam Jurgens wasn't signed because it's not a big deal. We went through this last year with Landon Dickerson. Same thing. And I kept telling people, and I told you, Jody, I said, don't worry about it. He'll be signed. He'll be in for camp. And he signed, I think. I, I looked back yesterday for jacobsports.com. He signed July 26th, so two days before camp. Um, it's just sort of the nature of the process. You know, it's interesting. All 32 first-round picks are signed already. Uh, Kenny Pickett was the last he signed uh, last week. Uh, Pittsburgh, number 20. A little bit more difficult for a quarterback. Quarterback Yeah. Um, There's only 16 of the second-round picks that have signed. So what wiggle room there is, and there isn't much, it exists in the second round. Uh, ever since the the NFL went to this slotting format where everybody knows what they're going to make. We all know Cam Jurgens' contract and what it's going to be. It's just a matter of little things. And one of the issues is guaranteed money. How many years are going to be guaranteed? Looks like Houston went 
a full three-year guarantee for Jalen Petrie, so that might be uh, mocking up the works for some of the second round picks. Um, offset money is always a big deal, which is basically about, hey, if we screw up on you, we want to get some of that money back, which isn't going to happen with a second round pick. Uh, people are rarely going to move on that quickly. So I've always, and I probably said this last year on the show when we we're talking about Landon, I've always said it reminds me of a married couple, an old married couple that argues because they have to argue because they want to argue because they, they have to find something. And from an agent's perspective, you know, you see Lamar Jackson, for instance, negotiating his own contract, you know, when you slot things, they become less important, at least until that second contract comes around. And then, you know, I start to think, are the agents trying to prove their worth? Well, let me see if I can get that. Let me, you know, that's part of it as well. Um, but he'll be here. Uh, it's just a matter of July 24th or a little bit before that. You can fight for that extra ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 and make your client feel good about you. But just make sure you don't miss any camp time. And the Eagles got the jet job done with their second round pick last year, right before camp started. So don't sweat the Cam Jurgens thing. It, it people make too much of it because it is. It's a second round thing. That's the only area where contracts even have any. To use your term, and it's right on wiggle room. So of course the agents are going to try and do the best wiggle that they can for their client. But uh, Jurgens will be signed. And we'll see if he shows up at Jason Kelsey's charity affair today down in uh Um The other thing, and, and shame on me, I meant to bring this up yesterday. And we just got off on a couple different tangents, so I never touched on it. Um, it was announced over the weekend. Seth Joyner will not be part of NBC Sports's uh, Eagles postgame show, which I think is a must-watch for most Eagle fans. Some of us have to tune in to uh, the four o'clock game immediately thereafter, like a guy hosting a national talk show at uh, Sunday nights when you got to talk about all the games. So I don't get a chance to see it as much. I got to tape it and go back and watch it afterwards. But I know Eagle fans flock to it after the game uh, when the Eagles were on the road. We know that NBC's already lost Ray Dinger, who retired uh, last month. And Seth Joyner said, another opportunity has come up. And I'm like ticked off at myself because I saw Seth last month. Ray's last Saturday show on WIP <clears throat> had a bunch of guests in. They invited all the WIP employees to come in at a spread for Ray and a really nice cake for him and everything. So I jumped on, did a little 10-minute guest spot as well. And Seth showed up, and I had a chance to talk to him for a couple minutes. I just went over and gave him the, the bro hug thing and told him, damn, you look like you could still play. But I, I didn't get into any kind of a lengthy conversation with him because it just wasn't that kind of setting. I had no idea that he was stepping away from his Philadelphia broadcasting responsibilities. And when I uh, uh, it happens every single time that Seth Joyner does something or uh, says something here in town, I immediately got uh, tweets yesterday. Oh, can the Eagles get Seth Joyner to coach their linebackers? <laughs> Do you think we can reach out and get Seth Joyner to coach our linebacker? And I get it. He's one of the most popular players to ever play here. He brings back memories of Eagle defenses gone by that may be more popular than the current Eagle defense. I understand the emotional ties to it. 
but I wonder if people really mean it when they ask me that question. Do you think we can get Seth to coach our linebackers? The answer is a simple one. No. If Seth Joyner wanted to coach, you know what he'd be doing right now? Coaching. He's been out of the game long enough that this, if that's what he wanted the next chapter of his career to be coaching, he'd be doing it already. He would have already done. He'd either be uh, an outstanding coach or uh, take took a shot with it, didn't like it as much as he thought, backed off, moved on to something else. So feel free, everybody, to not send me any tweets at Jody McMahon about will Seth Joyner be coaching for the Eagles. It's not happening this year. The Eagles coaching staff is set. We yesterday talked about how uh, uh, it's just unheard of for an entire staff to come back en masse the way the Eagles staff did this year, not even to get Seth Joyner. Were they going to change this Eagles staff? So please don't tweet at me that we need Seth to coach the Eagles. No, come on. Come on. I get him every not, year, John. I, I, every I year. know. Well, get a lot me. of social media interaction. Yeah. And no me, one ever said, John, the answer to the Eagle defense is get Seth Joyner yeah, as yeah. even the linebacker yeah, coach and the defensive coordinator. I, look, Seth, and by the way, Crossing Broad did a uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek uh, where where he will next land. And I think we're the favorites, Jacob Media. By oh, really? Lee. We have our own post-game show so on 6abc.com. So I don't get to see Seth. But I do know I've heard Seth speak um, <laughs> many times over the years. And he wants to play Buddy Ryan's defense. Understandably so. Um, you know, because of how much success. And, you know, he's a different era guy. as In many ways, so are we, Jody. But, I mean, you can't play that way now. I think we had – I think Tommy Lawler said it yesterday. Can't play that way anymore. Not allowed to play that way anymore. So, um, for a number of reasons, and I, when I, whenever I think about that, I think about Mike Schmidt and the Phillies because Mike Schmidt wanted to be the manager of the Phillies, but he didn't want to do the work to get there. Like you, you know, all-time great, maybe the greatest player in the history of the franchise. He was like, okay, make me manager. Well, you know, just because you're a good player doesn't mean you're going to be a good manager or a good coach. And a lot of, you know, it's it's the opposite. A lot of the greatest are sort of, you know, they didn't have a lot of physical gifts, but they were able to get the most out of what they had. And they can sort of, I've always thought from a superstar's perspective, they can't understand how difficult it is for the average player or the less than average player, the guy you got to get up to speed. And, um, you know, it's about technique. It's about fundamentals. It's about teaching the proper placement. And guess what? If things were easy for you, maybe it's a, a little bit more difficult. So the old adage is those who can't do teach. Well, there's a reason for that um, because you have to learn and you can't just rely on your physical gifts. So there's that part of it. There's the part that you can't play Buddy Ryan's defense anymore. So please just put it down. Get that get that sack of bricks off your back. It's not happening. It's not coming back in this era of football. It just isn't. You can't be that physical. You can't be, you can't do it that way any longer. Um, so that's part of it as well. And then, you know, 
where Seth is in his life, if he wanted to coach Jody, as you mentioned, he would have got into coaching a couple years after retirement, maybe right after retirement. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons the Houston Texans got a lot of, you know, what the guff and, and John McClain will tell you that they were going to hire Josh McCown as their head coach until they heard all the back, you know, the criticism and how could you, how could you, put somebody straight off the field and make them a head coach in the national football league. Well, you know, the same thing applies at a different level. And Seth's been out of the, you know, hasn't been playing. At least Josh has been playing uh, or practicing, you know, (laughs) at, at, at this stage. Um, It's very difficult to do that. It's very difficult to, you know, skip over people that have made coaching their entire lives. So Seth is an analyst and maybe he's going to be an analyst here. And by the way, I have no inside information on that, but you know, crossing broad uh, made us the favorites. And how did I miss that? I checked crossing broad this morning and I didn't see it. Uh, I saw those who could replace Seth Joyner on NBC as an article. uh, And yeah, they got some big, Fill, choose to fill with Ray Diddy and Seth Joyner, but I didn't see where where Seth is going to land, uh, and I should have been able to sniff that out when I was actually in the same room with Seth and talked to his wife. I talked to his wife for as long as I talked to Seth, uh, but uh, didn't think to ask him that because I didn't think he was going in another direction. But that's the case. Uh, Eagle fans, do us a favor. Do me a favor. I'm asking specifically. Please don't tweet me and say, hey, Jody, can we get Seth Joyner to coach our linebackers? I get it. Everybody loves Seth. And, well, you should. He's not coaching the Eagles anytime. I don't think he's coaching anybody. No. Um, no. That's not in his off. And I'm just guessing here. This, As I said, I was with Seth a little over a month ago, and I didn't ask him diddly, so I don't have any inside information. I'm just uh, speculating from uh, outside afar. He's not coaching. He's, he's, he'll, he'll, if he's going to do something else, and I don't think he's going out to play golf the rest of his life either, so expect him to have some kind of broadcasting gig. We just don't know what it is just yet. All right, uh, we got our broadcasting gig here on Birds 365, John McMahon and Jody McDonald. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our bud, Brandon Lee Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation. He's had some good Eagles posts, and the thing that uh, BLG gets out of his site, and we'll touch on this with him a little bit, is uh, because of uh, all the sites that SB Nation, the parent company of Bleeding Green Nation, has. He gets to talk Giants and Commodores and uh, Commanders, excuse me, and Cowboys. Uh, we'll see how he's getting other teams' feelings about the NFC East this year. Brandon Lee Gouton up next here on Birds 365.
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, you're Mac and Mac. We're at 365 Guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, go ahead, hit that like button. We could use the help. Uh, who, who do I need specifically? Well, who's the guy? Oh, uh, Eastside Monster. Go ahead. Uh, give your boy Jody Mac a little bit of a helping hand here. He's always taking shots at me. Had to go get another shirt on. That's why the show started 35 seconds late. Uh, sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, come on. Uh, give us a break. We could use the uh, love. Hit that like button for us here on Birds 365. I'm hoping that uh, Brandon Lee Gowton still likes us because uh, we haven't been able to establish with BLG yet. He'll get on here any uh, second now. I, I certainly have faith on that. Anytime we ask Brandon top aboard, he almost always says yes and said yes in about two minutes flat when I texted him yesterday. But I forgot to send him a reminder text till just now. So uh, we'll see if he got the. Uh, Maybe he's uh, on his way to see you. Maybe, you know. Now, I how many times have you driven down a shore in your life? Too many to count, Jody. Same here. Uh, way too many times. It's never taken me, what the hell time is it? Eight o'clock and Kelsey's going to get out in front of four. It's never taken me never eight hours. Never taken eight hours? No. No. Even there on the is. worst days on the Atlantic no. City Expressway, it's never taken me eight hours to get the sea aisle. So I doubt it highly. He was going down. He's maybe going down tomorrow. We'll ask him that first. BLG, are you Ocean Drive bound today? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> now, it's that time of year, BLG, where you have these football camps, in the case of uh, Jason's celebrity bartending, which is a little bit more fun. Um, 
so I guess I'll start it there because I saw Miles Sanders with our friends over at CBS is dropping. Um, I I kind of cringed. Let me. I want to pull up the quote because I don't want to quote. Uh, I I don't want to misquote Miles, but um, it was an All Star Team type reference. Here it is. We all feel like we're on an All Star Team. We feel unstoppable. Any Dream Team vibes there? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, they get in trouble, man. They get in trouble <laughs> when they say stuff like this. Given the history of this team, yeah, those comments tend to not always work out the best, or, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the comments in and of itself obviously don't make the team uh, any worse or whatever, but uh, no. I think it's you know, it's it's the you know, you don't love to see it, I feel like, just based on the history again. It reminds you some things that didn't go well, um, and you know, don't really, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. And by the way, uh, it is one position where the Eagles made no moves this offseason, nada, zip, zero, zilch the running back position. There are changes all around this team, new guys coming in, guys with contracts were up coming back. And I guess you could say the same about the running back position because they needed to re-sign uh, uh, Scott. But it's the same group that was there last year. Sanze, Juwan Howard, but uh, he may be coming back at some point because he's always waiting for the Eagles to call. And then, boom, he drops in and he's productive. They hand him the ball and uh, Howard gets the job done. We understand, at least I think I understand the reason why. See if uh, you're on the same page. They're just not going to run the ball that much this year. They were the number one rushing team in the NFL last year. A lot of that having to do with Jalen Hurts taking off for running himself. But they were the number one rushing team in the NFL. They're hoping not to have to run it as much this year. Are they okay at running back? Is Miles talking about his teammates when he calls them an all-star team? But is he going to be able to do enough? Is Kenny Gainwell going to be able to do enough? Are the Eagles good at running back for you, BLG? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest questions facing this team, you know, is is their approach because I think we all expect them to pass more than uh, they did last year, certainly. But I just don't know, you know, how, how you're going from being, you know, the, the heaviest run team in terms of the lowest passing play percentage to – um, whatever they want to get to this year. And obviously they have better tools in the passing attack. Um, and, you know, I think they have enough, you know, at running back to have a productive running game. Ideally, it's going to be, you know, a complementary kind of piece to the offense. And it's it's just kind of weird to think, you know, they'd go away from it entirely because it's what worked for them, especially late last year and where they kind of found their identity. So um, that's the the weird part of it all that, they're kind of going to have to shift away from that because, I mean, the reality is, you know, they can use that kind of approach maybe against some of these lesser teams. But, and this kind of goes to um, maybe having reservations about what Miles Sanders said. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to look at everything on paper and think it sounds great. It's another thing to go out and prove it. And this Eagles team dating back to last season has not proven at all that they can beat good teams. Like that is not something they have proven they can do. Yeah. Uh, and, and is a big question mark this year. And now fortunately for them, their schedule isn't really too difficult. You know, they get the Packers 
Um, they have some games on there that the Cowboys are a little bit tougher than others, but um, it's not like it's exactly loaded. They have one of the easiest schedules in the league. So I think um, they do have enough at running back talent and running back to have a protective game. But again, going back to the comments of it all, I just think they need to really uh, prove a lot before um, we can just assume they're a great team. Um, all right, since we've gone down this rabbit hole, BLG, I'm going to continue with the ground game and Miles specifically, not about his comments, but because myself, I've been in sort of this weird uh, uh, frame with Miles when when he was a rookie and he had showed a lot of potential. I think a lot of fans were like, Miles is great. He's, and I was like, eh, he's not one of the best running backs in football. I, slow your roll a little bit and now i think everybody's kind of dismissed him or at least a lot of people have dismissed him and now i'm at to the point where i'm like he's starting to get a little bit underrated <laughs> i think because it you know he's got his issues you know he's not a great pass catcher we know he's not a great pass protector i think he still leaves meat on the bones he's always trying to kick things outside but I, and and I wrote about this recently, and I said, I think there's this antiquated notion that the 1,215 yard rusher exists. It doesn't exist anymore in the NFL. There were two last year: Jonathan Taylor and and Nick Chubb. That's it. And there's been like a total. Forget about 1,500. I think if you go back to three years, it's Taylor, it's Derrick Henry, it's Dalvin Cook. That's it. So. I think people expect 1,250 yards and that kind of back doesn't exist anymore with the exception of that rarefied air. And Miles is not in that rarefied air, never was. But he averaged 5.5 yards a carry. Now, granted, behind the best offensive line in football, but that was the top number in the entire NFL. He tied, I believe, with Taylor. Um, and And... Besides quarterbacks, Lamar and Jalen Hurts were about it. Do you think Miles Sanders has gotten has gone from overrated with this fan base to underrated in pretty much record time? Yeah, I think there's a, a case for that. I mean, I do think there are some issues, as you mentioned. Um, the 5.5 yards per carry is very good. But, uh, you know, he only had one fumble last year. But there were a couple of opportunities there, where, like there yeah, some yeah. near Ball fumbles, security, yeah, yeah, and, and some bad situations too, like backed up against their own goal line. And it was like very like fortunate that like a call wasn't made the other way, or or looked very close to coming out. Um, so that's you know still troublesome and has been an issue going back to Penn State. And as you mentioned, same thing with being a pass catching running back. Like it was really only his rookie year that. He showed, uh, you know, chops there and 10.2 yards per reception, three touchdowns, hasn't had a receiving touchdown since then. Um, and, and and that's, you know, a little annoying, especially, you know, going into his contract year and, and you're wondering, can this guy be a long-term piece? Um, and those are the kind of things that I think you would need to see for him to be that. You know, it's one thing to be a productive rusher. And then again, too, I would look at, you know, um, just from an anecdotal perspective, it seemed like the offense was a little bit better when 
and, and the turnaround started to happen in part when he was injured and when he was away, which is another red flag with him, by the way. And we played in 12 games each of the past two seasons where you know the offense seemed to do a little bit better when they stayed on schedule and as opposed to kind of the, the feast or famine nature that Miles Sanders can kind of have sometimes with leaving meat on the bone. So, you know, I think there's some issues there. And again, it doesn't the, the 5.5 doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, again, he definitely is talent. Um, but there are some red flags that kind of hold him back from being a truly, you know, kind of Pro Bowl great player. BLG, let me take you over to the quarterback position. And I know I'm jettisoning ahead in doing so, but um, there's speculation this week that Jalen Hurts is uh, potentially going to get a contract extension as soon as he's eligible to do it. I, I don't know about that. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to have the season he's going to have. And the Eagles are going to make the playoffs. Yes, go. Circle us on your calendar. Jody Max had it right here on uh, Birds 365. I don't think I'm going to be uh, on old takes exposed because of this. (laughs) The Eagles will be making the playoffs this year. And Jalen Hurts will have the game that he has. This past year against Tampa, not so good. If he has another mediocre to underachieving day, is he a dead man walking? Because the previous quarterback here in this town had some pretty damn good regular seasons. But all we heard about, yeah, but he never wins a playoff game. He hasn't won a playoff game. He can't win a playoff game. I don't know if he could or couldn't. He just went completely in a tank his last year. But I was ready to move on from Carson Wentz, not because he couldn't win a playoff game, because he couldn't win a game in his final year under Doug Peterson. How big is the playoff game for Jalen Hurts this year? I think it's huge. And again, I, I harp on like who has Jalen Hurts really gone up against and beaten in terms of the quality of team, in terms of the quality of quarterback. You're talking about Matt Ryan and Teddy Bridgewater as the best quarterbacks he's ever really gone up against and led the Eagles to victory. And I think that kind of speaks to him being more of a, at least to this point, and we'll see if he takes a jump this year, a, a quarterback you win with who's along for the ride. Uh, as opposed to one you're really winning because of. And he's going out and he's helping you win the game in spite of certain circumstances. So I think it's a huge year, obviously, for him. And I think there is something, I I don't know, I wouldn't say it's likely by any means the Eagles are giving him a contract, and that doesn't mean it won't happen. I'm just saying at this point, I don't think anyone can say it's likely. Um, But I do think there is going to be a there's pressure from his camp as soon as after this off season. Oh yeah. Well, it's the Eagles MO to extend players early. So like it would be weird to just go into a lame duck quarterback season with Jalen hurts. Another one. And also um, because of how the Eagles kind of flirted with other quarterbacks, even this off season with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, like I would expect Jalen Hurts' camp to kind of really even put more pressure on the team to be like, hey, we want this commitment, especially because, you know, you guys have this extra first round pick from the Saints and they're, you know, the second round pick the the year uh, out from that and, you know, are, are probably going to be well aware that the Eagles could potentially be involved. So I feel like they're going to want to see some commitment. Um, and again, the Eagles MO is to extend players early. So I do think there's going to be some kind of discussion after the season or pressure and, you know, I, I feel like Jalen Hurts currently, you know, I, I don't think it's likely that he's going to get that contract. But, you know, he could easily prove me wrong if he has a great season. 
Yeah, uh, we've been talking about it. I've been talking about it with Jody for months about Jalen Hurts' potential extension after this season. Probably talked about it with you on the show, uh, BLG. Um, you think about it, Twenty-eight. what happened last year with the 2018 draft class? Jordan Mailata, Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox, Dallas Goddard. They identify players they want that they think are foundational pieces, extend them early. This year, they went outside the organization, but they did the same thing with A.J. Brown, the 2019 class. They gave him an extension. 2020 class, Jalen Hurts. Next year, extension if they think he's a foundational piece. Now, the problem with the quarterback position is $35 million, maybe it starts at, for a Pro Bowl alternate-level player. And that's what Jalen was last season. Is that good enough for $35, $40 million? This is the question I've been asking for months. I'm glad other people are starting to pick up on it. I don't know how you pay that kind of money for that kind of production. So we need a significant jump. Is he capable of a significant jump? Or did the Eagles go the other way, Brandon, and say, well, that's just the cost of doing business, and a pretty good quarterback makes $35 million now, so we have to pay that. Where, where do you think the Eagles will land on that sort of spectrum? I mean, I just think you look back at the comments, like Jeffrey Larry saying like he's obsessed with having an elite passing offense, and you look at what the Eagles were last year, and if they don't make big strides towards being an elite passing offense or something approaching that, resembling that, then I just don't see how they would be willing to really settle uh, for you know, settle on fine. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie is of the mindset we can we can uh, kind of just settle at the quarterback position. I don't think that's how he thinks about it, and how he should. To be fair, it's how he he shouldn't think like that about it. Um, I think you know they they could do better um, potentially, and they should be striving for that as opposed to you know paying these big resources to a quarterback again who might just more so be along for the ride, um, and. I, I really just think, you know, can Jalen Hurts get there? Yes, he can. Again, the Eagles upgraded their talent around him. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Of course, you know, all these things aren't necessarily sustainable once you pay the quarterback that big contract because you have less resources to resign your own players or acquire the new players and everything. So that's a concern. Um, and I think we're seeing a little of that with the Cowboys right now and the offseason they had after paying yeah. Dak. So that's always something to think about. And then I also think about, like, you know, Jalen Hurts has clearly not demonstrated a, a mastery of throwing the football just yet, and we'll see if he can. But there have been issues there. He had a very slow time to throw as a rookie, and then again last year. I'd like to see him, you know, process better. I'd like to see him use the middle of the field. And these are issues that he's had dating back to college, where he played – I know he's young. He's only 23, 24, but he played extensively in college like there's a lot of game film on him and those issues were still kind of persistent there to the point where he got benched for a quarterback that really no one likes in the nfl except for maybe oh, some whoa, whoa, whoa. jody loves Hold on. jody Hold loves on. him when two of busts out this year you're just another guy i'm gonna have to call on the carpet yeah. now <laughs> well i'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm you with go. you blg he's busting out yeah, yeah. I think Jalen Hurts, to be clear, um, I think I I feel a little bit better about him than I do about Tua. I mean, maybe yeah. Jody, you disagree, but still, I mean, like 
He got benched for you that just guy. Finished saying he replaced them. <laughs> they, 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 now, now you know more football than Nick Saban. Nick Saban <laughs> had the choice and said, Tua, get in there. And he threw a national championship touchdown pass to Devonta Smith. Come on. Well, then you must not like Jalen Hurts a lot then. <laughs> no, I like a blows. I like Tua better. Player development, I always say, is real. Jalen Hurts has developed. Uh, so give Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, Kevin Petulo some credit. I I would take Jalen Hurts right now over Tua, but I would ridiculous. You know, I would not take either over yeah. a lot of quarterbacks. You know, the the you know, forget about the Justin Herberts of the world, who I have a man crush on, and the Joe Burrows of the world. There are a lot of quarterbacks I take before both. But if it were Jalen Hurts versus Tua, and by the way, I think Nick Saban, I'm going to put Nick in this category as well. Today, I think he'd take Jalen Hurts. But that's because player development is real. I think one guy has developed more than the other guy. But we'll see. The other guy just got a very good offensive coach to come in and take over his team. So Mm -hmm. let's see if player development. He also got a very good receiver. He got a better receiver than Jalen Hurts did. So we're going to know. We're going to know about both of those players after this season because both of those teams have done a lot to build up around those particular quarterbacks. And I think this is it. There's no more excuses for either of them, to be honest. I agree. So let me go here, uh, BLG. And this is going to have me come off looking like a bad guy, which I am, so it's not really (laughs) much of a stretch. Uh, The Eagles have one advantage in this whole Jalen Hurts contract thing going for them. And that's that Jalen Hurts is a hardworking, dedicated, team-first kind of guy. They don't have to extend him. I know Mm. John made the case for the guys they extended – in a certain year, in a contract, non-first-round draft pick, we identify, we extend. Yeah, but you don't have to. And for me, Jalen Hurts hasn't had the advancement, hasn't put up the numbers to be able to say, yes, let's extend him. Make him sing for his supper again after his fourth year. Worst-case scenario, you still have the franchise tag that you can throw on him. One of the reasons why you don't, you try and avoid doing that is, yeah, you tick off the player and he's not happy about it because others in the same contractual situation have gotten contract extension specifically from the Philadelphia Eagles. But Jalen Hurts, I feel, is not one of those guys you have to worry about. You know, behind closed doors, he might be willing to say this is not right and I'm not happy, but he's not going to show it on the field. He's going to come in. He's going to go 100% of practice. He's going to be the leader that he is. Will the Eagles take advantage of Jalen Hurts because of the kind of uh, player that he is when it comes to team first? Um, well, I would say as far as I know, and maybe I'm missing this, Jalen Hurts doesn't represent himself. He still has an agent. And that's the, a lot of the times, you know, I feel like where that decision is coming from, no matter what the player is like, um, they have an agent for a reason. And the agent is go- and depending, you know, uh, how much they trust that agent and assuming he's not going to fire them or, or just totally disregard them. The agent is going to tell John Hurts to do another thing. Uh, and, and I just think that again, like it's, I think the Eagles lose leverage kind of, you know, if they don't get a deal done early on, because, okay, then let's say, you know, he has a good year the year after that, assuming they even still keep him around. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you can tag him, but that's such a big cap hit, you know, that you're taking now, like all that cap space you're dedicating just to a tag. 
And then, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he would do this, but then it opens the path to like what Kirk Cousins did, where he's just like, I'm just going to keep betting on me. And then that's not a good situation to be in. Cause at, at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay a contract that is much more exorbitant than you would have to pay. And some of that maybe is a good problem to have because if it's worth paying, then Jalen Hurts has clearly progressed to a good point. But I just think you kind of need to have the foresight on these things. And the Eagles do it right. They do they do some things wrong, for sure. But one of the things they do right is get out and ahead with these negotiations. And that gives them a lot of flexibility to kind of um, to do that. And I just think waiting is really not the answer here. Yeah, and, and Jalen, Nicole Lynn is his agent, the, the one of one agency. And you're right. See, here's the problem, Jody. As a second-round pick, typically um, – you know, you say, well, that's good from the Eagles' perspective. And normally it is, obviously. But he's not making – at least Lamar Jackson as a first-round pick, even though he's number 32 overall, has that fifth-year option. And you get that big spike in the fifth year where you're you're paid significant money, even though it's not going to be outrageous money like you would make on the extension. As a second-round pick, he's not making any money. So there's no way – that Nicole he's Lynn making, is going to say. He's making more money than Dak was making. Dak I was mean, a fourth-round pick. And if, the Cowboys if, played it the exact same way, and Dak had the exact same attitude. He didn't threaten to hold out. He didn't threaten to uh, want to walk But he away ultimately from- got the deal as well. Um, I got to see when Dak signed. But he, he got the deal. after his third year. It was into his fourth year. They they had to put the franchise tag on him. Um. But they, the Cowboys squandered like their opportunity to have a quarterback on a cheap deal, and now again, like they had look at their offseason that they had, they had to get rid of Amari Cooper. Yeah, well, that's just part of when you do sign the extension. I mean, you can only kick the can down the road as as long as possible as you can. Ultimately, you have to re-sign the player. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember the circumstances, and I'll, you could be right, Jody. But my point is the agent's going to be pushing. The agent's going to be pushing because there's no way they're going to say Jalen Hurts is going to go into his fourth year making $1.3 million and say, oh, we're fine with that. Now, hey, maybe the Eagles play hardball. They don't have to do anything. But I do think you start – there are unintended consequences to that road as well. And even though he is everything you say is, Jody, as far as work ethic, leadership, boy – at some point you gotta you gotta do something for yourself as well. And I find it very hard to believe that either happens, that the Eagles would want to go into that fourth year if he plays well, or vice versa, Jalen Hurts would want to go into that fourth year if he's just what he was last season. It's a very difficult sort of tightrope, and that's what I've been talking about for months. I just don't think you can say, bang, let, let him play out of his contract. I think that doesn't exist anymore. And if it does, it, it means there's other. John, John. No, nope, you didn't let me finish, happened. Jody. It just let... happened with Dak Prescott. Jody, you didn't listen to the end of the sentence. I said, if it does happen, there are other issues. That's how I finished it. There are significant other issues that create those unintended consequences. Yes, you have the right to do it as a team, but that that's not – you're pointing to the Dallas Cowboys who do who do business differently. Yeah. And I think we talk about it all the time on the show. The Eagles are smart 
and the way they do business, I give them credit. If you do that, it there are other issues, and that's the part you didn't hear. Well, the, what I heard, John, what you said, it doesn't happen anymore. And, and I said, it happened if, two if, years if, ago. Brandon, you're here. What did I say? <laughs> I said if there are other issues, there are other issues if it happens. That's well, what I said. We I don't, I don't disagree with that, John. What I what I what I reacted to was you said it doesn't happen anymore. Well, it doesn't and happen it here for sure. Two years. Now that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles have handled their business their way. The Cowboys have handled their business their way. I'm just suggesting that if Jalen Hurts comes out this year and completely replicates the season that he had last year, no better, no worse. Doesn't go backwards where you go, oh, my God, why the hell is this kid our quarterback? But he doesn't improve where you go, yeah, we kind of need to lock him up. He has the same exact season with improved weapons. With the addition of A.J. Brown, then what do the Eagles do? If you're the Eagles, John, I'll put you in Howie Roseman's shoes. And I know it's a hypothetical question, so it's very narrow focus. And it's probably not even fair. If Jalen Hurts has the same exact season this year that he had last year what would you suggest the eagles do i would suggest they draft a quarterback they use their two first round picks to draft a quarterback i think the only way jalen hurts plays on his final year of his rookie deal and rookie deal in philadelphia is as a lame duck and i don't think the eagles want him to be a lame duck either way um so to me, it, it, it's hard to envision this particular organization taking that path. And that's why I've been saying for months, and you know this, Jody, the Eagles will have to make a decision on Jalen Hurts after this year. They will have to make a decision by their own organizational credo. They will have to make a decision because they don't want a lame duck quarterback. Other teams might want it, but they don't want it. And now I'm talking about the Eagles. They do not want a lame duck quarterback. Could be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. But I find it very hard to believe after watching Howie Roseman all these years that that's the way he's going to do business. I think they're going to make a decision. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you'll have 36 starts, uh, 47 total games played of Jalen Hurts, like to kind of, you know, judge a sample size on in addition to college. Um, So, I, I, yeah, I, I just think they don't want to lame duck. It's like, is this your guy or not? And now part of the, you know, uh, thing here is to consider is, you know, what are the alternatives? Because we don't know that for sure. And yes, the Eagles have two first round picks, but four other teams who are also quarterback needy have first round picks in the 2023 NFL draft. So there's no guarantee, you know, they can just trade up to one overall or even whatever, high enough to necessarily get one of the guys. At the same time, uh, you don't always need to do that. You know, Justin Herbert fell. Um, some quarterbacks fall and end up being good. Um, you don't always have to just take the guy at number one. But still, um, you know, we, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what the free agency slash trade market looks like. You know, maybe Lamar Jackson is available. But even if he is, let's say, like, do the Eagles want him? Do the Eagles want another quarterback who's kind of, you know, been in this, like, run-heavy offense and isn't necessarily – um, like, you know, a, a volume passer, uh, you know, same, same kind of question you could ask about like Kyler Murray. So 
that's the that's the uh that's the big question like what are the alternatives and how viable are they because then if they're not like are you going to get stuck in a similar position this year where you're you're basically kind of ending up with Jalen Hurts and if that doesn't feel great and that doesn't seem to do a, a reason to do a contract extension with someone is just because you're stuck with them and you can't do any better but it also just might be their best option um which I I don't think um they will settle for that again by any means but um, it, it is a path that exists. Is it a quarterback thing or is it an Eagles thing? Because this past year, they basically let Derek Barnett be a lame duck. He was off his first contract. They let him play it out. They ended up bringing him back. Not my favorite signing of the offseason. Mm-hmm. So is it a quarterback thing that you say the Eagles won't go down the lame duck road because they just had a lame duck situation? this past year it's a qb thing that is the reason why you don't think they'll let him play on the final year of his contract it's just an organizational thing i think you know barnett was more of the exception than the rule and obviously there's the fifth year option in there too because they, they they had the ability to kind of get that okay let's get that one more year and see with him and they ended up bringing him back again which i also don't agree with but yeah i, I don't think that's the rule as much as it was the exception no, I think it's it's just quarterbacks and coaches. When you talk about lame ducks, I mean you have you have one year you have one year prove it players every year. It's about it's about the position and coaching. You never want a lame duck at quarterback or coach. And typically, if you have one, it's a bad signal to the the locker room, the organization, everybody as a whole. But you know. Think about James Bradbury. All right, he's here for one year. Go right. prove it. You'll see um, Kaiser White. He's here for one year. Go prove it. See if he can do something. Um, so I guess I'll end it there, Brandon. The expectations of this team are, you know, gaining steam. Certainly, I don't know about as much nationally, but certainly locally. Do you think that changes anything as far as the status moving forward of I've talked about the coaching staff a lot and it's very rare in the modern NFL that you have a complete coaching staff return Mm. and the Eagles never had that I mean you think about you know success they had they lose it because Frank Reich because they win the Super Bowl John DiFilippo then after that year, it became the expectations thing, right? Mike Rowe had to be scapegoated. Carson Walsh and, you know, last Doug's last year, the reason he's not here is because he wanted Press Taylor and Matt Burke and so forth and so on. This is probably it for this coaching staff together as a whole, because if the Eagles are successful, then Gannon's probably leaving. Steichen might leave. If they're not successful, right. Jeffrey Lurie's going to look for the scapegoat. Do you see it any other way? I think especially with Gannon, that makes sense. Like, he shouldn't be here next year. Because, again, either like, the defense is good, he gets hired, he already had interest last offseason, or he's he's not. And the defense, to my opinion, like they did last year, kind of didn't fully perform up to their level of the talent. Not to say they had amazing talent, but still, I think they underachieved with what they had. And anytime you allow five 80 percent completion uh passers in a season after that had only been done six times i believe in the 70s eagle seasons prior that's just it's not very good um so you know i think gannon and hertz really are kind of the biggest question marks with this team as a whole and there's a lot to prove in 
and in similar fashion in terms of like being able to have success against the biggest challenges for both of them still need to answer that um coaching staff as a whole you know i think we saw some encouraging things from nick sirianni at the same time like like how good is he like can he be like you know one of the league's best coaches maybe he doesn't have to be for this team to be successful but i'd like to see him give this team more of an edge and you know it's one thing for him to pivot like he did from passing the ball as much to running the ball. But we just talked about at the top of the show, like that can't be the only answer he has. He has to find a way to develop, you know, a very good passing offense. And we haven't really seen him do that yet as a head coach. doesn't mean he can't do it, but we haven't seen that yet. So I think that's just a common theme with this team as a whole. Like it's one thing to look at all this stuff on paper and think it's good. And no one can blame Eagle fans who want to get excited about this year and feel like this team can take a step. But <laughs> you can't just assume that they're going to, uh, first of all, it's all going to manifest in a positive way because we've seen some bad things yeah. in the past where they bad things always paper. happen. It's not <laughs> all going to go to plan. And then, you know, again, just beat a good team. Like, like they didn't do that at all last year. Beat one good team before we can talk about, you know, this one being any kind of uh, a good team. All right, BLG, I got to know. During the last six weeks, have you been working on your punting? Have you been getting out there, trying to drive the ball, hang time? What's your hang time? If they called on you to compete with Aaron Sipas in camp this year, are you ready? No, that'd be ugly. I would be, I, I, I'd probably be worse than him. Just Come on, you got to have a big leg. You're big to begin <laughs> with. You got to have a big leg. I got to believe that. So I went to the doctor a couple, uh, like a month or two ago. And he said, I have tight hamstrings, so I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't think I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. know they could diagnose tight hamstrings. <laughs> the Eagles would fail you for the physical because yes. they're all about the uh, non-contact injuries. They protect their players. And if you're just going to bring the team down by getting hurt by just punting, it'll make them look bad. So I'm sorry for even bringing it up. You got no <laughs> shot. Go back to covering the team. Yeah. Forget about the and dream make of sure, becoming the And button. make sure you stretch before you get out yes. of that seat, friend. Yeah. BLG, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll certainly talk to you again before, uh, probably before camp gets underway. Thanks, Thanks That's Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation here with us on Birds 365. All right, come back. Got a couple other Eagle things I want to run by John. And then uh, coming up uh, next hour, we're going to talk to Will Opson from uh, the Washington Post we're getting into a little bit about how the Eagles are going to handle their quarterback situation going further. And that's a big problem. Oh no, they got real problems down in DC. <laughs> Eagle problems as compared to commander problems are no problems whatsoever. Coming back right here on birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? 
<laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, I fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Yeah, thanks for streaming on in. Go ahead, hit that like button. What do we need them to do, John? Uh, like, share, subscribe. Do do your boys a favor and hit that uh, like button to our improve our algorithm, whatever that means, uh, here on Birds 365. All right, uh, John, uh, outside of Philadelphia, the Deshaun Watson hearing, disciplinary hearing, took place yesterday. Some people speculated that it could be all done in one day after yesterday's hearing, which they didn't officially wrap it up till like after five o'clock. So it went all day long. Um, the reports were thereafter that they're uh, going to certainly need at least the second day and maybe more than that. So this is an in-depth hearing that's ongoing. And there was some leaked information. Our buddy, Rob Motti, was the designated droppee who got information that the NFL may will may very well be willing, if the punishment is upwards of eight games, be willing to not uh, challenge the finding of the individual, uh, Sue Robinson, the former uh, judge uh, uh, in this uh, dis disciplinary hearing, that they would be willing to go along with that, accept something like that. They'd rather not have to come down with the hammer of, yeah, we appeal, which means it comes back to the commissioner, which means Roger yeah. does whatever yeah. he wants, that they want to keep that from happening so that they would accept a punishment if she puts it out there of a minimum of eight games. Uh, some pretty good speculation thereafter that that's... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just the NFL's way to say, yeah, go ahead, put any punishment out there. We're going to appeal it anyway. What do you make of the leak of information? To Rob Motti of the Associated Yeah, Press. by the way, congratulations to our buddy Rob Motti, who got uh, another bump up at the AP. So he's going to be their lead national reporter. So congrats to Rob on that. Uh, and as far as the, the, the punishment, yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's the first time we've kind of gone through, at least in the high-profile situation with Sue Robinson kind of handling things. There's no common sense here, Jody. I mean, you got one side supposedly arguing for indefinite suspension and the other side had no games at all. You know, he basically was already suspended, which is bull bleep. I mean, he got paid his bull allotment. He got a paid vacation. Now, granted, I'm not saying which, he wouldn't. All the way, by the way, and let me, uh, sorry again to interrupt you. He wasn't suspended last year. No. He was never no. suspended. No. He was on their roster. Yeah. He was paid for every single game. They just chose not to activate him. Yeah. He was not suspended at all. So if they go down the road, of, he's already paid his price. No, yeah. he hadn't. He could get in, and get that's, all the you know, team. <clears throat> they're pretending like it was a de facto suspension because he exactly. wanted to be on the field, um, but he wasn't essentially allowed. So, you know, you have these two just so conflicting um, asked of, of Sue Robinson. So why not just land in the middle, which would be eight games uh, because the NFL's perspective was one year indefinitely. Um, so 17 uh, now you don't have the perfect 50% that's right. NFL. Um, but, you know, makes some sense. I thought when it's, but I got to tell you, Jody, the court of public opinion is big with the NFL. We'll talk about that with Will a little bit, but I don't think people are going to be happy with eight games. A lot of people are going to be angered by that. And, you know, the NFL pays attention to that kind of stuff. So this is a really interesting way that the league handles it. I guess they could default to, hey, we didn't do it. Sue Robinson, impartial. You know, I guess they could lean on that. Maybe they do lean on that, but I'd be I'd be surprised that they'd say, "Yeah, eight games is is okay." Yeah, I don't see that uh, on uh, ProFootballTalk.com uh, today. There was uh, speculation that this is just a feint that they want to make sure the only way that Roger Goodell can't <laughs> get his hands on being the sole determining factor of how long the suspension is going to be is if Sue Robinson comes out and says, well, there's no disciplinary action needed that if it's none, then you can't uh, Roger Goodell can't heavy hand this and come in and take over. So they just want him to throw whatever her, excuse me, to throw whatever suspension is out there. And then you go, Oh, we'll appeal. No, here's what it's going to be. Cause Roger's the one who gets the final say. I would not put that past the NFL of, being the case. Uh, I think they're actually on to something there. And I want to thank one of our streamers here, uh, uh, Eastside Monster. Yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson's suspension last year, 
this all started before the whole masseuse gate broke with him saying, I don't want to play for the Texans anymore. Yeah. He was yeah. threatening the whole down. I don't like the coach. He got the coach fight. Didn't like David Coley, the coach that they brought in to replace him. This all started with him saying, I don't want to play for the Texans. So now that he didn't play, he got paid for the entire season. He's got the audacity to say he was suspended. Yeah, I'm sorry. That doesn't work for me, Deshaun. Well, remember, it's the union. So uh, that's the union's job. They're going to fight for the player no matter what. And yeah, it's silly uh, from a number of perspectives, but that's what they do. That's the definition of their job. And when you have somebody in who's sort of a pariah, uh, for lack of better term, it becomes difficult. You know, it's tough to argue, you know, public defendants of, and I don't want to compare, but you know, some of the most high profile cases, they're not the most popular people in the world, but they have to fight for their client. Uh, same thing with the union in this case with Sean Watson, they're just fighting uh, for their client. And what do you do? You ask for nothing. I mean, you see where it goes from there. And I understand they've got a job to do, but I've got a job to do, and I got to laugh at your proposal. <laughs> he was suspended last year. He was suspended last year. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, so he's going to miss time for the Browns. I think when push comes to shoves, it's going to be an entire year. So the Browns are going to have to play 17 games this year, and somebody's got to be their quarterback. It's not going to be Deshaun Watson. Uh, we broached this before. New information yesterday. Could they actually go back? and try and reestablish Baker Mayfield as the quarterback for the Browns. You just said to me earlier in the show, the one thing you can't have in the NFL is a lame duck quarterback. There would be no lamer duck quarterback than Baker Mayfield in the Cleveland Browns this year because Deshaun Watson's not going away. You may have to wait an entire year to get him, but he's got $230-plus million coming his way. So at some point, he's going to be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. But for just this year, Baker Mayfield is under contract. They're going to be paying him. He's a better option than Jacoby Brissett. One man's opinion. I'd like yours, John, if you want to tell me Jacoby Brissett is as good or better. No. No, I didn't think so. Um, I guess Baker was doing a camp in Oklahoma. Tis the season of the camps. Deshaun Watt, uh, Devontae Smith had one here in Philadelphia. Miles Sanders was at one out in Pittsburgh. And I guess... Baker Mayfield was at one in his old stomping grounds in, in Oklahoma. Uh, he was specifically asked, could uh, he and the Cleveland Browns kiss and make up? He sure as hell didn't open the door, but he didn't slam it shut either, John. He did say there would have to be some reaching out. And yeah. by that, he meant the Browns are going to have to reach out to him. The Browns are going to have to come to him and say, Baker, we need you. Let, let, let's see if we can just find the position where we can both benefit from it. They're going to have to go on bended knee to him to see if Baker Mayfield would want to come back and be the quarterback of the Browns again. If you're the Cleveland Browns, would you do that? I would. Yeah, I would. I mean, you know, because of the, remember, that's a really unique circumstance. So any quarterback is a lame duck in Cleveland, right? That's if true. he gets Jacoby suspended for one year, yeah, you're right. Every, everybody is. So you know that going in. One, if I'm Kevin Stepanski, look, I know I'm screwed 
um, if I have Jacoby Brissett and the fact that, and by screwed, I mean, Jacoby's a fine backup, but you know, you become a team that's got significant talent that could be a contender um, and expects to be a contender to Sean Watson's under center um, to a team that's not going to be very good, probably under five. And then you start talking about the coach losing his job and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if I were Kevin Stefanski, I would definitely want Baker Mayfield to be my quarterback. At least you can get up to that 10 win level, maybe make the playoffs, 11 wins on a good season. Who knows? Uh, they have enough talent to do that, but they did it before with Baker Mayfield. Um, so I think it's already proven. The, the question is, you know, the organization did a number on him thinking he'd be out the door by now. Uh, you know, the, we need an adult in the room talk, yeah. which I think is the funniest quote of all time, considering the adult they got in the room who's on Instagram looking for 66 uh, massages. That's the adult <laughs> you got in the room. Baker Mayfield doesn't have a great reputation, but his reputation's better than that, Jody. Um, True. So, you know, part of that was unnecessary. Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, you know, the ship has probably sailed, but from a pure football perspective, I think it's an easy decision. Problem is, it's not, that's when you get into the other stuff. And we're going to be talking about that with, you know, Will about the Washington Commanders. I mean, look, sometimes the owner and the GM and, and the people in charge, and I'm not even going to blame Andrew Berry because I think this is Jimmy Haslam. Um, sometimes they screw things up for the football people. Yes, uh, owners, if the owners are heavily involved like they are in Washington, like I said, Will Hoppe is going to join us in just a couple uh, and or in Cleveland. And I think on this move, you're right. This was you don't lay out two hundred and thirty five guaranteed million dollars without the owner a big stamp on top of that. The conversations don't even start unless the owner signs off on it. Uh, you're right. And then to add sauce to the goose, Johnny Mac, I love this story. Somehow, some way, on the Seattle Seahawks website, yesterday, for a period of time, there were Baker Mayfield Seattle Seahawks jerseys available to Seahawks <laughs> fans with his number and his name on the back. And they were up there for a period of time. And like with anything on the Internet, you can get a screen grab of it and then it's saved forever. They did get it down in pretty rapid fashion, but it was up for a period of time and people put it up all over the internet. What is this? Uh, what are we supposed to read into this? What does it mean? Was it a leak by the Seahawks as a trial balloon to see what Seahawks Nation would think about Baker Mayfield coming in as their quarterback, as uh, people are speculating? You know, maybe Cleveland has to go on bended knee back to Baker Mayfield then the Seahawks are floating this. Would you take a Baker Mayfield in that Seahawks jersey? Um, well, I think that's, you know, the Seahawks are interesting because obviously they could use Baker Mayfield to say the least, but they're also in that category of clearly a complete rebuild. I'm not even going to go transition. So then you have the, the backside argument of, well, Baker's going to make you better. He's sure as heck better than Drew Locke. He's sure as heck better than uh, Geno Smith. But, you know, 
don't you want to be in the top five so you can go get uh, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? And if you get Baker Mayfield, you're probably too good to be in a position to get them. So you have those conversations if you're Seattle. Did, 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 did Seattle hire Sam Hinkie and uh, I didn't hear about it? Are they going hey, full on tank of Palooza? Is that maybe, what you're suggesting here, Johnny Mac? It looks like the two teams that are going – as close to Sam Hankey as you can get in the NFL to me are the Giants and the Seahawks. And look, I, 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 Baker Mayfield clearly, clearly makes the Seahawks better, but he probably also clearly takes him out of the conversation for the Bryce Youngs and CJ Strouds of the world. So that's a difficult decision if you're, and, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm surprised Pete Carroll's even there for this, to be honest. If there were a Seahawks 365 YouTube show, I'd love to hear what they're saying on that one. But No, we don't want Baker Mayfield. He'll help us win games. <laughs> why the hell would we want that? We don't want to win any games this year. We want to stink as much as humanly possible. Just, I'm sorry. It just yeah. rubs me the wrong way. Like that idiot LaRusso this past week. We don't want to run out ground balls. If it's just going to be a routine out, go ahead and jog down to first base. No. Well, I'm with you. I, you my look, guy, I, my guy is Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. That should always be your goal every single time you. Well, take that's the field. why. Hey, the Sixers used to play to win the game when Sam Hickey was there. Sam Hickey just took away every possible avenue to win the game. But those disgusting level of players, they tried, Jody. They tried to win the games. It wasn't on Brett Brown. I agree with you. Uh, but when I say you play to win the game, I mean the entire organization. Yeah. Anyone who is drawing a paycheck from the organization and it can actually have an impact on the outcome of games, all of them should be with the same exact focus, winning. Not winning four years, five years, eight years down the road. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. I see we got Will Hobson in our green room from the Washington Post. We think we got issues here in Philadelphia. They got bigger issues down the turnpike in Washington, D.C. We'll talk about him with Will Hobson next here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac Birds for 65 Guys in the House. Joining us from the Washington Post is uh, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author Will Hobson. Will, Jody McDonald, and John McMullen here. How you doing? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. How y'all doing hey. up there? Good. Good seeing you, Will. You uh, too, John. It's been a while. It uh, has. Um, first Pulitzer Prize winner on Birds 365 that I know of. So thrilled to have you here. Uh, thrilled for your success. Um, latest, Will's latest, he's done a great job with Liz Clark, especially uh, with all the behind the scenes uh, issues with Daniel Snyder, the Washington Commanders. The latest being revealing that the $1.6 million settlement that was out there was due to sexual assault allegations with the commander's owner, uh, who's in the I don't know if the south of France, but I like saying that for Norman Freeman references right now as Congress tries to go after him. First off, before we delve into that piece, Will, how difficult has it been dealing with the commanders through this whole process and Daniel Snyder pretty clearly trying to obfuscate the the entire way? Uh, it's been it's been pretty difficult. You know, I, I'm I'm used to uh, writing about you know, companies and entities that, you know, throw all kinds of um, static at you and noise as you try to report a story. And, and, you know, Mr. Snyder's legal team, they're very good lawyers. Um, They're very aggressive. Uh, He's had private investigators out there that apparently have been, you know, trying to dig up dirt on me. And, um, you know, I don't know what they found. I'm I'm assuming there's a dossier out there that says. I got got that call, Will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, each one of these stories has been very stressful, uh, and uh, I'm grateful that the last one is um, published and, and behind us. <laughs> All right, so uh, you're certainly taking arrows from one side. Um, there's the ongoing process that they're going through on the governmental side. How's the league been for you? They, they, their job is to protect one of their own, which is Daniel Snyder, but if he's going to help bring the league down at some point, Roger Goodell went in and he faced the committee and had to take slings and arrows for them, uh, getting either information and or point of view out of the league. How has that gone for you of late? Uh, the league office has not given us much of anything. Um, but I mean, I think what has been interesting to observe has been sort of daylight that has cracked between the NFL league office and the commander's front office on, on these issues. I think I, you know, from 2020 until mid to late 21, which was this first NFL investigation. And then the findings the league and the commanders were pretty much in lockstep in that, you know, this investigations, everything's being handled fine and there are no issues and, and here's our punishment. We're not going to release report and so forth. And then since the Gruden emails came out, there's been sort of, the league office has been taking 
a bit of a more, from my view, aggressive stance with the commanders. Um, and I think the most recent example is when there was this most recent allegation of sexual harassment against Mr. Snyder, the team again tried to claim, we'll investigate this. We've hired this law firm, they'll investigate. And then Goodell, a few hours later um, at a league events is not, that's not gonna happen. We're gonna hire our own firm to look into this, which is different than how this was originally handled back in 20. Well, uh, you know, Beth Wilkinson, who was uh, uh, an attorney in, in D.C., sort of led the NFL's investigation into the Washington workplace, so to speak, Will. And, and you know, a lot of the issues, at least from people looking on the outside, whether it's, you know, just talk show hosts like Jody and I, all the way up to Congress, is the fact that the NFL has been very shut about their own investigation and the fact that they won't sort of reveal certain aspects of it to, and, and people, some of the cheerleaders who accused um, the organization with some of these workplace issues have wanted their stories out there. And for whatever reason, the NFL has shielded that. Have you noticed a shift towards more, sort of light, as you say, democracy dies in the darkness. That's the Washington Post on the massness, on the masthead. Do you think there's been an effort by the league to say, all right, you know, this is a lost cause. Maybe we have to go in a different direction or you have not sensed that. I mean, I think from a big picture perspective, because everyone wants the, the big question we always get asked is, is is this the you know the smoke is Dan Snyder on his way out? Is the league going to yeah. force him out? And I, I think I, I don't know of any push. My colleagues who cover the league and are in touch with ownership across the league don't know of any. And, and that that's the big you know you would need to see a majority of owners uh, to support a, a move of that nature. And, and there's no indication that's coming. Um, I think that what's happened is when the league allowed this first investigation to occur they allowed it to be overseen by the team for a period of time. And that caused um, a problem with the Wilkinson investigation in that uh, when the league took it over, Dan Slater and the team still had a degree of control. They had essentially attorney-client privilege with Beth Wilkinson. So they could say, they could say, hey, you NFL, you're not allowed to release any documents that we don't want you to because Beth Wilkinson was our lawyer too. We had, we had a relationship with her, a professional relationship. Um, so, this latest investigation the NFL started, overseen by Mary Jo White, Dan Snyder and the team, they have no similar privileges there. So I think that there will be, at least we've been told, there'll be more transparency with this investigation. Um, Mary Jo White will be allowed to release, to some extent, what, what she has found. Whether or not change, that changes the perspective of owners across the league, that I don't know. All right, I want to take a little bit more back out onto the field, but uh, certainly with the issues the commanders are dealing with. A week to 10 days ago, Ron Rivera decided to step up and say, let me clarify a few things. When I was hired, this was my edict. This is what the Snyders wanted me to do. A lot of these things that are being unearthed now and being investigated happened before I got here. He kind of kicked his owner underneath the bus, which I was surprised by. He must feel very confident in his ability to keep his job. Maybe he thinks Snyder's got too many other things to fight that he can't think about firing the coach. But Ron Rivera kind of put himself above the fray and said things are changing culture-wise in Washington. 
were you surprised by the stance and the way he delivered his message? And do you think he put himself on a hot seat with it? He may have put himself on a hot seat with it, but I don't think, I mean, there is, I think in the commander's front office, I mean, I think, I think it's certainly accurate to say there is um, fatigue over uh, public relations controversies coming from above and not below. Um, you know, it's not, you know, typically your NFL front office needs to run interference for PR crises that are being launched by the players. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in this organization, it runs differently. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think anyone who is in, in a leadership role in that front office certainly looks at recent history and think, can think that, uh, I'm probably not going to be, I may or not be in this job very long, but, um, uh, but I'm going to do the best that I can to set the appropriate tone for this front office and, you know, the organization underneath. Uh, I think it was 2007, Will, where Roger Goodell first kind of intimated uh, that the personal conduct policy uh, not only should extend toward the players, as you mentioned, typically what we think about it as Deshaun Watson currently would be the most notable, uh, but it also extended to coaches all the way up to owners. Um, there's been no evidence of that, uh, that the league takes allegations against owners, and there have been more than just Daniel Snyder. Jerry Richardson was actually essentially removed from Carolina, but there was also the aspect of he was aging and maybe he wanted out. And he said, all right, I'm done, whereas Daniel seems to be fighting pretty clearly, doesn't want to leave to be uh, the owner of the Washington commander. So you need 24 of 32 owners. I, I Have you done any research? Have you done any investigative reporting about how the league handles these personal conduct potential issues with, say, ownership versus the players? I mean, the, the, by the letter of the law, it, it should be the same. The response should be the same, which is, there's an allegation of a you know, sexual assault against an owner that was raised in 09 and Dan Snyder and the, the league should be involved in the investigation. And the league should be involved in determining um, discipline, uh, but they weren't back in 09. And uh, you know, when, when Goodell was asked about that by Congress, he was a little circumspect about, he's like, I don't recall being told that that was what Dan was accused of. Um, and he also, he kind of appeared to try to walk back a little bit. He's like, well, that policy's changed a few times and, it, it appeared to suggest that perhaps the NFL didn't have the degree of um, a hammer in 07 that they do now. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's obvious that these issues are handled differently with ownership as they are with players. Uh, there's no universe in which, you know, Ezekiel Elliott would be accused of sexually assaulting someone and the league would allow the Cowboys to oversee that investigation. Um, so I mean, that's pretty much all we can say about it. Fair enough. Um, I need your take on subpoenas. Uh, Dan Snyder is not yet to be served. He is somewhere in the south of France, or so we believe, and that's why he hasn't been served. And the Redskins, uh, excuse me, the commanders are uh, putting out statements that, oh, he hasn't rejected the summons yet. Yeah, but they can't get him while he's not in the United States. It's become an issue unto itself. I've seen some speculation that Snyder may try and wait out the clock 
that there's a midterm election in November and it could turn out to be a uh, Republican rather than a Democrat rather than Republican, uh, that that could end an investigation, ongoing investigation, if they carry it that far with Snyder having been subpoenaed. Is that possible that he could basically stay in the South of France till November to wait out a midterm election so that he doesn't have to be served a subpoena to testify in front of the House committee? Is that realistic? I mean, I don't know if he can just literally stay in France until uh, November, but I'm certain everything at his legal team's disposal they will do to just avoid this and and drag it out until after November. And we've been, I mean, we've been hearing that since this thing got started last fall, that they're they are just going to slow walk this and and try to drag it out past the midterms. Um, so, I mean, I think the the more the I'm not quite sure what else the House Committee can do. You know, it appears they've done their investigation. They just want to ask Dan Snyder about it. Um, you know, I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see what this latest NFL investigation comes up with um, and and how, how the league responds. You're inside the Beltway now, Will, so you, you get to see some I of actually the... live just outside the Beltway. Well, so. okay. Good for you. Good for yes. you. You should and stay outside from what I can see. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're watching the House Oversight Committee uh, and they have Roger Goodell virtually. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of Daniel Snyder questions, but you also had the dog and pony show. They're asking him about the bladed footballs and this and that and re-legislating everything else. You mentioned, I'm not sure what Congress can do. Can they do anything? I, I mean, does that part of it really have any bearing on the story whatsoever? Do they have any power to do anything to Daniel Snyder and the Washington commanders? I think the power that they really have, they've already exercised, which is to keep the story in the news, to uh, uh, to give a, um, a megaphone for to broadcast new allegations that then allowed the NFL, who may have been having a little bit of buyer's remorse about not releasing details from that first investigation to launch a second investigation that they're now saying they'll they'll release some public details about and um and then to just create more negative pr that has probably had an influence on dan snyder's efforts to get um local approval for a new stadium down here which is really the big that is i think the north star for that um that front office outside of improving the product on the field is getting a new stadium deal uh, and and they're uh, running into problem. I mean, theoretically, the commanders should be in a great space for that. They've got three different public entities between yeah. Maryland, D.C., and Virginia to bid against each other. Right. Uh, but the brand is not in a good space uh, uh, and is not necessarily an entity that, you know, if you're a government, you want to be seen as shoveling tens of millions of public dollars towards. And, and so I think that the, the PR component, I think, is how they've really exercised their power. But no, I don't. Outside of that, I don't really know what else how the House can do at this point. Then let me ask you about the behind the scenes conversations going on in the National Football League. Roger Goodell is the mouthpiece. He's the out front guy. He's the face of the NFL and had to deal with it by going in front of the committee. Um, but he's ongoing talking to the other 31 owners on a daily basis. 
they're putting forth a face of, yeah, we're working, and, and Dan is major, and we've had our own investigation, and Ron Rivera steps out and goes, we've got an improved culture. So they're trying to, as an entity, with Goodell as uh, the, the leader, put a smile face on things. Not easy, but that's what they're attempting. Behind closed doors, how ticked off are the other 31 owners? Is there any underlying drumbeat to get Snyder out as the owner of the uh, the commanders? What do you think the rest of the National Football League is saying amongst themselves and with Roger Goodell about Dan Snyder right now? I think that and this is all speculation based on you know what I've heard from a handful of people that I've talked to and my colleagues have spoken to. Um, I think that uh, in terms of legal issues the league is dealing with right now, I think the Flores lawsuit, the Ryan Flores lawsuit and uh, the minority coaching issue is um, the big priority. And I think that Dan Snyder is, is a, um, a, a secondary item there. I think that there's Snyder fatigue. I think that owners are annoyed that what should be a, um, a premier uh, franchise is, you know, has struggled the way they have is not, earning to the degree that they should um, in their, in these owners' perceptions and is just continually creating PR issues for the league. Um, I think the issue, I think there are owners who probably would like him gone, but they don't want to set the precedent of forcing out somebody because there's a bad front office workplace culture and a few allegations against the owner, which I think could potentially arise in other front offices. Um, so, so I think that's kind of the stalemate right now. Yeah. Jerry Jones, for one, uh, has had some pretty significant uh, significant issues this offseason. Everything pales in comparison, it seems, to the Washington Commanders. You know, Will, I just kind of backhanded Congress as a dog and pony show. I'm going to do a dog and pony show with you. Because one of the stories, and I'm going way back, but one of the stories you did I was most interested in, and you might not remember, but what the heck I got you here, so I'm going to ask was the Peyton Manning HGH Al Jazeera story, which I thought was so interesting from so many levels. And you were able to uncover, I think at the time that um, obviously the shipments were going to Peyton's uh, wife. And the claim was that they were, were certain medical issues that probably you're not going to um, typically uh, give HGH for. Um I, I found this interesting because Al Jazeera is what it is. And certainly in the United States, people are going to say it's not credible, even though it's been a credible news organization. Uh, but there were problems on both sides of the story. So just sort of an overview, because I was always so interested in that story. And the whole entire baseball versus football dynamic, where it seems like in baseball, if you get even a stain of PEDs, you're ostracized. In football, people are like, eh, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Did you kind of get that feeling? I did. And that's not, um, you know, I think it's not a terrible surprise to um, to, folk, to folks who, you know, know both these leagues that uh, I think there's just a perception there are more NFL players who use PEDs and the, the testing. I mean, I think it's a fact. The testing regimen is, isn't as strict um, as, as it is in Major League Baseball. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, that, you know, that you summarize the story accurately, essentially by the time it, all the dust had settled, um, Peyton Manning's camp 
legal camp was acknowledging that there were HGH shipments sent to the Manning home, but they were for they were for Ashley. Um, and yeah, I mean, that would be if um, Aaron Judge acknowledged that he'd been getting HGH shipped to his home for his significant other over a period of time. I'd, I'd expect that Major League Baseball handled it differently than the NFL did. All right. Uh, I'm interested in something you said earlier and answered one of my questions, Will, that the NFL is more focused right now on the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit than they are on what's going down with uh, Dan Snyder. Um, what is going on with that lawsuit? Are there negotiations being had about a potential settlement? It always intrigues me when someone's, we're not settling, we're going to court. And then they go ahead and settle like the short Watson. I'm not settling. Go completely unfounded. And they settled 20 out of the 24 cases. Is the NFL negotiating a settlement? Are there settlement talks going on? Is this going to go to court? I can see the magnitude of the lawsuit if it ever goes that far. Where is that suit sitting as of right now? I mean, it's, it's still pending. I don't know if there are negotiations. I haven't done any reporting directly on that case. Um, you know, with all of these issues, uh, anytime there's a lawsuit brought uh, against the league or a team, uh, the league does what I think it's trying to do right now, which is try, it tries to get it back into confidential arbitration. Um, this popped up with the Snyder thing. There were mi minority team owners that tried to sue Snyder, and that ended up getting steered right back into confidential arbitration, um, which basically means it goes back before a league arbitrator. We don't know what happens. Um, I think the reason why that's perceived by people we talk to is more of a focus for the league, just because that is a, that's a more damaging PR hit for the entire league. True. Uh, and, um, and I think it's, in, it's, it's inescapable. There are just is whether or not Brian Flores was not hired because of the color of his skin, there are equity issues in coach hiring front office hiring that the league has just not been able to, uh, you know, to remediate. And, and so, so yeah, that's what I mean by that. I just think it's more of a focus for that league office than, you know, dealing with the latest flare up in Washington. Uh, he is at the Will Hobson investigative reporter uh, for the Washington post. We got through the difficult stuff. Will want to get to the happy stuff with you. For those who don't know, Will is a Philadelphia area native. You were an Eagles fan. Number one, are you still an Eagles fan? Uh, because when you cover sports, you tend to get jaded, uh, especially when you cover some of the issues you've been covering over the years. So are you still an Eagles fan? How much attention do you pay to the Eagles these days? And what do you think of the Eagles offseason? I still, I still follow the Eagles. Uh, if I'm ever accused of, of, of bias and how I write about the commanders, I try to point out that um, – uh, if my journalism ever resulted in Dan Snyder losing ownership of the team, I'd be like enemy number one in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, the, it seems like the local brand for Harry Roseman has uh, I've seen a significant uptick over the last two or yes. three seasons. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. It'll be a better on the field product this year. Just hopefully Jalen Hurts uh, develops a bit as a downfield passer. All right, then give me your read on the upcoming season for the Commanders. First, you got to tell us, are you giving us Will Hobson journalist, Will Hobson Eagle fan, Will Hobson have to cover the Washington Commanders because it's my beat? Uh, first, clarify how you're looking, through what prism you're looking, and then tell us, how do you think all these brush fires that the 
organization has to deal with will actually affect the product on the field come September. Yeah, I mean, I don't cover the on the field product, so I, I'm not, I wouldn't be offering commentary as, as a journalist there. And off, right, my, you're a football fan. You said you're an Eagle fan. So I'm less a football I fan. Read I, on the Commanders. I said I follow the team. Uh, I, uh, you know, and also my my uh, outlook would be less informed than my colleagues. Uh, right. You know, look, the off the field flare ups shouldn't affect the on the team product. I mean, the big issue for the Commanders has always been quarterback play. So if if they get uh, if they get better play from Carson Wentz than they've gotten in the years prior. Uh, you know, theoretically, they should have a, a very good defense and they have very good outside threats. There's no reason to think they can't be competitive and, you know, that that dumpster fire of a division. It is still a dumpster fire, but not, you know, the top two teams. Well, you know, the Eagles are getting better. I think it's clearly an Eagles-Cowboys race. But where were you at the end of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, Will, as an Eagles fan? No, you know, judgment on the player, um, you know, the off the field stuff, um, some of the controversies with potential teammates and some of the whispers and um, sort of an introvert, not an extrovert. Where were you on Carson Wentz as an Eagles quarterback? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know about the inside of the locker room stuff. Uh, it looks like 17 was a bit of a flash in the pan and the team did a great job of just maximizing what was, you know, his best year. I've always wondered to what extent that concussion affected him that he had uh, in the Seahawks game. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I had a lawyer who operates in that space say that he thinks it might have affected his processing speed and that could explain how he played after. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand his issues with the front office when he, when he went sour, when you're looking at, you know, Justin Jefferson and uh, DK Metcalf playing elsewhere. And, uh, you know, you're, you're throwing to, um, you know, who he's throwing to. So, um, so yeah, I think it was tough on both sides. Uh, I think that, you know, fortunately for that franchise, they may have just happened. I'm certain that's not how Howie Rosen wanted it to play out, but it may have been really the best long-term outcome for the franchise for him to go elsewhere and them to move on. If uh, Will's bosses at the Washington Post are listening right now, we suggest you send him to the south of France to see if he can get a sit down with uh, Mr. Schneider at some point. Uh, I, I actually made that suggestion recently. Yeah. It was um, swatted see, aside, unfortunately. Well, they even made a mistake with the Instagram photos. A couple employees out there. They, yeah. that, 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 that organization is a mess. You, you and I are simpatico there. I'm trying to get you to South of France with a big expense yeah. uh, report there, Will. Great stuff coming on with us today. Thank you very much for sharing your, uh, well, inside information info, uh, even though you kind of passed on saying the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl this year. We'll forgive you for that. Yeah. Will, thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate yeah, it. And well, I'm taking one-tenth of one percent of credit for your success. So congratulations. Hey, Good scene. You buddy. deserve at least two to three times. <laughs> there you go. That's Will. Great to see you, John. Good talking to you. Thanks. Thanks, Will. From the Washington Post. All right. When did yours and Will's paths cross? Uh, we we worked at uh, the same wire service, and he was, you know, he's much younger than me, obviously. And uh, I was one of his early editors. So that's why I take credit for uh, one tenth well, okay. uh, percent All of right. his success. As uh, John noted, our first ever Pulitzer uh, Award winner here on uh, Birds 365. You know any others? 
I don't. I, well, off the top of my head, I don't even know. Who I do won, not. I do not. I surely do not have a relationship with not. any of them. Yeah. So we got to get Will back on again so that we have our second Pulitzer. Yeah, right tremendous. Here. It's kind of a lost art. Uh, but I, I knew early on he was a tremendous reporter. There's a lot of good writers. I think I'm a pretty good writer. But there's very few uh, great reporters anymore. He is a great, great reporter. Um, and he's able to, and that's a skill, to get information that not a lot of other people can get. And he's broken a lot of stories over the years. Um, I brought up that Peyton Manning one, because that's one that's always interests me. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so he does a tremendous job. And those those are an endangered species. I will say that. And uh, I haven't read enough of Will's stuff. Some I have, uh, but not at every single one. I'm not a Washington Post subscriber. It's just so hard to do what he, it was hard enough to do what he does uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Now it's that much harder because everything has to have a political slant to it. You're, you're not allowed to just do good journalistic no. work. Someone is going to read whatever you go and go, Oh, you're a, you're a no. conservative. It's all conservative. Oh, you're a liberal. I oh, get left in. You can't even do the type of work that he wants to try and do and has done and has been award winning for it because in today's society, everything has to be determined by which side of the fence you're on. Yeah, it is uh, a little bit disappointing. I think he, he kind of gets past some of that because it is sports. It's not as political. He doesn't. I, I should say there's plenty of politics in sports, but I, John, and again, I've interrupted you for the third time today, so I really apologize. You can't say that about this story. The, no, everyone is talking about the fact that he's <clears throat> going to Dan Snyder's going to stay in the South of yeah. France until November when yeah. there's a midterm election. And if the composition of the House changes, he's not going to have to go through the rest of that. How can it not be political? It no, has to be. It's yeah, ridiculous. I, I meant more of the topics, the topics that he's investigating, which is more of his wheelhouse. You know, his wheelhouse is, you know, the sexual assault allegations, you know, which he was able to get an attorney's letter confirming the $1.6 million payment. We knew the $1.6 million payment was there. We didn't know what it was for. He was able to get the, the, the story behind what it was for, which are some pretty serious sexual assault allegations, which that part of it has nothing to do with politics. You're right about Daniel Snyder being removed. That's not the kind of stuff he's getting involved in. But you still see the nature of real reporting. He's getting, you know, Daniel Snyder's got private investigators looking into Will's <laughs> life. You know, I mean, that's that's when you get in those levels. Um, and then there's the second aspect of, you know, I can go on Twitter. I get stuff about the Eagles. I can go on Twitter. I can throw it out there. When when you're doing old school reporting, you got to have stuff double sourced, in some cases triple sourced. You got to have it backwards and forwards. It's so difficult to do, um, and it even it's even more difficult in today's environment because you'll have some slap you know what with some um, blog site or just on Twitter saying. They get information from one person. Well, you know, one person can say whatever they want, 
and all of a sudden, you know, it's not double sourced, it's not triple sourced, and all of a sudden somebody comes back with a different story. So uh, sort of old school reporting, it might not even be of interest to people here on Birds 365. It's a tremendous interest to me, and he's, I think he's the best investigative sports reporter in the country, um, and he's done it consistently. And it's, you know, I was on the ground floor of that. So I do, I joke about it, but I do take, I am a, a little prideful of that fact that he's gone on to, to be um, the journalist that he is. And I give him all the credit in the world because you're right. There just aren't, and it used to be everyone was held to those standards. Now, what are we down to about 2%, John? of what would be considered media that hold those standards. Oh, of, I think you know, that's high, Jody. You think, think two is high? high. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how sad is that? Yeah. That's just tremendously sad. All right. Uh, listen, we got to take our final time out. We'll come back. We've got to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Mega Mac guys, the last couple of minutes of a uh, Wednesday get together. Uh, should be fun tomorrow. We have Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyBoys.com in the midst of his dumpster fire. Talking theory. dumpster fires tomorrow, Jody. Speaking, uh, we just talked about a dumpster fire. We got to continue to talk about uh, there's too many dumpster fires. I would argue there are three dumpster fires in the NFC East, and that's one of the reasons why I think the Eagles are the favorite. See, that's funny that you went there because I remember I couldn't even tell. We get when we get Jimmy on tomorrow, we'll certainly ask him this. I forget what year was his first uh, dumpster fire week, but I was on Philly Voice and I read it and I said to myself, "Wow, that's harsh. Wow, he really <laughs> thinks they're going to be bad. I don't think they're quite as bad. The only thing he's pointing out of the weak suit, they do have some strong suit." And I completely missed the fact that that was the reason he was writing the column the way he was writing the column. He was admitting in the headline, dumpster fire, that, oh, yeah, there's no balance reporting. John McMullen was just on Birds 365 talking about real reporting and source and like, oh, Jimmy is throwing absolutely everything out the window when it comes to his dumpster fire series. He doesn't care. That's the purpose of the writing is to just narrow focus on what's wrong with the teams. And it went completely over my head the first time I read. I go, wow. No, and I think Kemsky, you know I, that's that's bad. He's not giving that team any credit. I completely missed it. It was my, just stupidity on my f- part that I had no idea what Jimmy was attempting to do. And I think part of it is that people don't understand. And you know, half of the fun of it is the hate mail. I think he um, he, gets he receives. But uh, it, it, you know, what it is is. He does his 10 reasons, the commanders or Cowboys or Giants and Eagles, he does the Eagles as well, will be a dumpster fire this season. Um, And it's more, you know, and he'll talk about it tomorrow, but I think it's more of, if you know, this is the reason they could be a dumpster fire, then this is the reason they will be a dumpster fire. Because everybody could be a dumpster fire. But there are certain teams... And a whole heck of a lot of them congregate in the NFC East over the past few years that do their best to be actual dumpster fires. Luckily, the Eagles aren't one of them. Uh, correct. And we'll get Jimmy up here tomorrow. Uh, if Daniel Jones turns into a player, the Giants are not going to be the dumpster fire, despite the fact that McMullen said earlier in the show he believes they're in tank mode and trying to lose games. Hey, I remember Daniel Jones. He said he's uh, who the said pressure. Daniel Jones. Uh, I didn't say that. I'm 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 not as bad as you on Daniel Jones, but uh, I so don't which, think. Which is it? Are the Giants in tank mode or not? Oh, they're in tank mode. I'm saying I didn't say. How they can weren't. they be in tank mode if you think Daniel Jones can play? No, I said I don't think as poorly as you. You think he's the worst quarterback in human history? I don't no, think no. he's that bad. He is actually one of the worst. Yes. Yeah. I don't um, think he's that bad. I just think he's a run-of-the-mill bad quarterback. You can tank with a run-of-the-mill bad quarterback. That's not contradictory. Uh, yeah, I would say it's contradictory. Somebody you... said he was uh, – Who? somebody on the show said he was uh, pretty good this week. I forget who it was. Um, I have to think about that. Daniel Jones? Yeah. Somebody I... was defending him. Somebody was defending him. You recently. know for a fact it wasn't me. No, I know it wasn't you. It wasn't me either. Somebody on the show. Yeah, I don't doing. think I don't think Daniel Jones could play a little bit. But I don't believe that's what the Giants believe. 
I think they believe they're actually going to win games this year. I don't believe that See, part of the reason they're... that they decided to stay with Jalen Jones was I don't think in any giant meeting at ever at any time, uh, off the record, on the record, whatever else, did anyone ever say, yeah, we need to lose games this year to improve our draft status. So let's keep Daniel. J. I don't think that was ever said. Well, uh, I should clarify when I say tank mode in the NFL, I just, I don't mean Sam Hinkie. I should, you know, cause this is Philadelphia, obviously. And that's what people think. I don't mean they're actively go doing. It seems pretty clear to me that the organization understands they have to take, you know, they have to rebuild is, you know, rebuild is probably the better term, a lot term in the NFL. I don't think NFL teams tank really in full rebuild mode. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Um, one last thing before I let you go, because we've talked about this more than actually I would like over the last uh, couple of weeks when Jaquiski Tart signed with the Eagles, uh, there was no immediate leaking of the terms. And an entire week went by. As far as I know, he still hasn't signed. <laughs> That's what I'm going to ask you. Uh, you said, I believe you said, I know you said it off the air to me, and I don't think you have a problem with bringing it up on the air. You said, yeah, sometimes you got to wait until the contract is actually filed in the league office, that no one leaks out the terms, that that is... The last standing, it still hasn't been filed. No, I don't think he signed it yet. Uh, so it's not going to be filed till after he signs it. I have to double check. I'll do that when I get off the air. Where's our checked. guy? I forget. Uh, Bourbon something. He's one of the streamers who yeah. thinks that he's actually the Eagles' best safety. How bad is that going to be if he doesn't sign? We oh, had this gonna, guy, no, hook, line, sign. and sinker, done. He's an eagle. He's going to be the best eagle safety, according to certain eagle fans. Yeah, he's not going to be Frank Gore. He's going to sign. I just mean the paperwork hasn't been signed because it's the dead period. Uh, okay. And I could be wrong. I haven't checked uh, the transaction wire every day because it is the dead period and nothing's happening. So it could have snuck by me. I'll check that after we get off the air. But I don't think he's physically signed the contract yet. And until he physically signs the contract, um, it's not going to get filed and we're not going to know. I was told it's going to be a little bit more for the veteran minimum, um, which is, you know, uh, that's I thought he was getting the veteran minimum. So it's a little bit better. But um, so two things. He's going to sign. I don't think he signed officially. And that's why we don't have information on the contract. Okay. And we'll see if that happens tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month. Before you know it, they're going to show up at camp. He does have to sign before they report to camp, right? He does. He does have to sign. He might sign the day he comes in. He might sign July 26th or whatever, July 25th. They they went that long with Stephen Nelson, but at least Stephen Nelson uh, wasn't talked about a month ahead of time before camping up as having agreed in principle to a deal. No, we really believe that came together that quickly before camp. We'll see how Tart's uh, situation plays itself out. All right. I know this situation is going to play itself out. 22 hours from now, I'm going to be back. John McMullen, are you with me? Yeah, I would never miss a dumpster fire talk, Jody. Come on. Jimmy Kevsky will be with us uh, tomorrow. We'll try and rustle up another guest for you. Guys, have yourself a great rest of your Wednesday. McMullen and McDonald, Birds 365, will be back in two and two. 
You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.